0: Blind Faith Gifted. That's how they describe Marie and the strange abilities that came to her as naturally as reading and writing came to others. She had inklings of them as a child, but assumed that everyone else experienced the same things. She never thought of herself as different. Through her formative years, she shrouded her private and unusual mental life, sharing it with no one. When she grew older and the change occurred, Marie became bitter and entertained thoughts of suicide. Her small circle of friends had envied her heightened awareness, but she thought of it as a curse and would have traded it in an instant to regain the one perception that mysteriously sublimated when the rest of her senses blossomed. It seemed as if her senses became like a gang of unruly schoolchildren ostracizing one of their own in favor of a stranger. Normally, Her highly developed intuition was referred to as the sixth sense, but in Marie's case, she still only had five. She remembered sight as a child, longed for it, the blue of the sky, brilliant crimson sunsets, lush green grass, and the reds, violets, and subtle shadings of flowers. As her psychic abilities grew, darkness crept in like gradual layers of gauze, first in increasing shades of gray, then, by the age of twenty-one, unrelieved black. Her moods followed suit. With each layer lengthening her like a wrap after wrap of gauze came a corresponding increase in the acuteness of her other senses, especially the unseen one that gave her extrasensory perception. Doctors and psychiatrists had no answers. Her eyes appeared to function normally. Yet Marie still lived in a world of darkness. As a blind adult, she earned a modest income giving readings, usually by getting impressions from an article of clothing or jewelry, but she could also feel the person's thoughts, sensing them as subtle vibrations. To do this, she had to place her hands on their head. When she did, she envisioned their thoughts in brief flashes, like a camera shutter flipping open, burning the image into her mind, like light on a photographic plate. These snapshots she committed to memory to study for the significant details they revealed. By talking to her subject, Marie received a collection of mental pictures that she sorted through to find the answers her clients sought. Through the years, she'd seen a lot, often more than she wished, but for the most part, only mundane things like the misplaced wedding band on the woman who sat across from her. She hated these sessions and resented her clients, but she needed the money. The last time I remember seeing it was two nights ago, the whining voice said. Marie pictured an overweight, middle-aged woman probably wringing her hands. The heavy smell of Lady Stetson filled the air, overpowering a faint scent of talcum powder. The odor of cigarettes and fish wafted from the woman's mouth each time she spoke. Marie wanted to gag. I took it off before I went to bed and thought i put it on the nightstand, but when I woke up, it wasn't there. I can't promise I'll find it, Mrs. Mitchell. Marie held her hands out in front of her. But if I can read your thoughts, maybe I can find out what happened to it. She motioned for the woman to come closer. I need to place my hands on your head. Then I want you to talk through what you did. She felt stiff in hair and smelled hairspray. Go ahead. Marie said when her hands felt comfortable. Tell me what you remember. I remember walking up the stairs and taking it off. Marie's mind flashed on the image of the woman sliding the ring off her finger. Then the phone rang. I picked it up in the hall. A white French phone on an antique table in a hall with textured wallpaper. It was my son calling about some of his school records. A hand with a pen, the ring lying beside it. I heard a crash from downstairs, grabbed the ring and went down. The cat had knocked something off the counter. A broken cookie jar on the floor. A ringless hand on the broom sweeping. The ring on the counter. When I finished cleaning, I went up to bed. My husband was already asleep. When I woke up in the morning, he had already left for work. The ring wasn't in its usual spot. I looked everywhere. The kitchen. Signs of a hasty breakfast a newspaper on the counter where the ring had been, a headline, Strangler Strikes, a tiny glint of gold behind the blender. Behind the blender, Marie birded. It was not there by the newspaper. Marie felt the woman jump under her touch. She imagined a surprised expression, blinking eyes. I was so worried that I'd lost it. An hour later, the woman called, confirming Marie's findings. When the doorbell rang the following morning, Marie sighed, anticipating only one more boring request from another overwrought crybaby wanting to find a misplaced wedding band or lost cat. When the ringing stopped, she sensed something different. She felt her visitor's apprehension, which wasn't so unusual, but behind it she sensed an urgency that made the hairs on the back of her neck stand. This one had a real problem. She rose from her chair and went toward the door, her own urgency rising with each step. The image of the newspaper headline flashed in her mind, Strangler Strikes. Her heart thudded in her ears as her hand found the knob. A sudden excitement coursed through her. She savored the rare moment. Then something spurred her on, an eagerness and curiosity to confront whatever troubled the person on the other side of the door. She turned the knob and yanked it open until the door jerked on the security chain. Who is it, she said into the gap. Lieutenant Mitchell, San Diego Police, Homicide. The voice sounded tired, heavy. Are you Marie Parsons? How do you know my name? What do you want? You spoke with my wife yesterday, helped her find a ring. Mrs. Mitchell, yes. Is she all right? Couldn't be better. All she's talked about is how you found her ring. She's pleased with all you've done. She speaks very highly of you. Marie felt her cheeks flush. And what can I do for you, Lieutenant Mitchell? Well, uh it's kind of, well, I don't quite know. Can I come in? Marie hesitated. The impressions he gave were sincere, but his tension worried her. Excuse me for being suspicious, but may I see your badge? I thought you were blind. I have a well-developed sense of touch. Y- yes, of course, I should have known the rustle of clothing, the sound of a sleeve brushing against a door. She reached up and felt a large, warm hand, bony knuckles, then the touch of cold metal. She took the badge and ran her fingers over its surface. She saw the image of a tall man with a crew cut, sharp, jutting jaw and kind but weary brown eyes. Satisfied, she handed the badge back and let him in. "'Please sit down, Lieutenant Mitchell,' she gestured toward a chair." Tell me, what's troubling you? The sound of a large man settling into a chair. I don't have any right to ask you this. It goes against department policy. But frankly, I'm stuck. You're the only one who might be able to help me. This is a police matter? Yes. A surge of excitement danced through her. She struggled to keep her composure as she lowered herself into the overstuffed chair across from Lieutenant Mitchell. What is it you think I can help you with? Do you listen to the news? It's about the strangler, isn't it? <gasps> a subdued gasp. Amazing. How did you know? Marie allowed herself a smile. They're calling in the door-to-door strangler. We think he's posing as a salesman, milkman, a plumber, or some other delivery man or serviceman. He smooth-talks his way into his victims' houses and strangles them. Hasn't he been up in the Los Angeles area? He may have come down here. We've had a couple of murders that followed this pattern. He paused. We think we have a witness and a suspect. Marie put her hand to her chest. If you have a suspect and a witness, what do you need me for? Our witness is a young girl, but she's in shock. Hasn't said a word. I was hoping you might be able to read her thoughts, give us a lead, maybe a description of the killer. See if it matches. I know it wouldn't hold up in court, but it might give us something to go on. We want to be as sure as we can that we don't have a copycat. Marie thought of what it would be like to read the thoughts of a murder witness and shuddered. Her palms were sweaty. She wiped them on her dress. I've I've never done anything like that. Her throat felt dry. She thought of the mundane things she had been seeing. A dullness crept over her. Then... She thought of the murder witness with a delicious tingle. Why not? She'd be under police protection. All right, she nodded. If you think it'll help. The smell of cigarette smoke, the sounds of voices, ringing phones, and clicking keyboards met Marie as she entered the police station on the strong arm of Lieutenant Mitchell. He made her feel safe and protected as he led her to a quiet part of the station. Marie sensed two other people in the small room. Both sets of thoughts felt strained, emotional, but she had a stronger sense of the young girls. Though wrapped in darkness and terror, their relative innocence revealed that they were the thoughts of a child. Instead of frightening her, the fear Marie sensed stimulated her. Without a word, she took a seat next to the child and placed her hands on her head. Soft, long hair, tender skin, the smell of shampoo. Beneath it, rigidness, tension. The first impression jolted her. She pulled her hands away as though she'd been shocked. When she put them back, flashing images pressed her to her seat in a mixture of fear and exhilaration. A view through a crack in a door, a young woman holding it open. Another flash, a tall, sandy-haired man with empty, darting eyes, blue like a winter sky. Flash, the man looking around, Talking, smiling, a young woman, Mommy, turning her back. Flash. The man reaching for her neck. Flash. A close-up of hands grabbing at Mommy's throat, her mouth wide and a strangled scream, eyes bulging, face a deep red. Blackness. A wave of dizziness swept through Marie as though someone had drugged her. She felt the sensation of spinning, falling. Strong hands caught her. When she regained consciousness, the first image that came to mind was a close-up of the hands closing on the woman's throat. A chill danced down her spine as though those very hands caressed her back. She gave Mitchell a detailed description of the man and her mental photographs, then had him take her home. He called two days later. How you feeling, Miss Parsons? Fine, thank you. It's, it's nice of you to call. You gave me a little scare. I appreciate your concern. Aside from checking on you, I called to give you some good news and some not-so-good news. Marie's breath caught her in her throat. Give me the good news first. The good news is that we've formally pressed charges against our suspect. The image of the closing hands on the woman's throat flashed through Marie's mind. Based on your description, We had a psychologist work with the little girl to help recreate the crime scene. Your descriptions brought her out of shock. She made a positive ID of our suspect, picked him out of a lineup. I can't tell you how thankful I am for your help. We've been trying to catch this guy for quite some time. Thank you very much. Now, tell me the not-so-good part. (sighs) She heard him sigh. Some loudmouth down here at the precinct blabbed to a reporter. It's all over the newspapers. They may start hounding you. I'm really sorry. If it gets out of hand, give me a call. I'll see what I can do about it. Thank you, Lieutenant. I appreciate that. It's the least I can do. No sooner had she hung up than the phone rang. A reporter. Then the doorbell rang. A news crew. Graciously, she granted them an interview. Two more crews appeared. The telephone rang again. Another reporter. The novelty wore off quickly. Marie called Lt. Mitchell. Two days later, the excitement passed. One evening, she made herself some tea and sat down to relax when the phone rang. Miss Parsons? She didn't recognize the voice and thought it might be another reporter. Who's calling? Sergeant Morales, San Diego Police. What can I do for you, Sergeant? Lt. Mitchell told me to call. Don't open the door for anyone. Keep your door locked and your shades drawn. Our suspect has escaped. My God. Stay calm. I'm on my way. I doubt he'll try anything, but we want to make sure you're safe. I'll be there in a few minutes. Ten minutes later, Marie heard a knock on the door. She stood next to it for a moment and listened. Who is it? She said without opening. Sergeant Morales. A flood of relief filled her. Just a minute. She undid the locks and opened the door, leaving the security chain on. I'm sorry, Sergeant. I hope you'll excuse me for asking, but may I see your badge? Of course. She reached up and felt cold metal. She ran her fingers over the badge, as she had done with Lieutenant Mitchell's. A clear image of a short, dark-haired man with bristly hair and a mustache filled her mind. With a relieved sigh, she handed the badge back, then undid the security chain. You'll be fine, Morales said as he stepped in. Nothing to worry about. I'm just here as a safety precaution. I'm sure they'll recapture him shortly. Please come in, Sergeant. Have a seat. Uh, Thank you, ma'am. She took a seat across from him after she heard him settling into the chair. Is it true what they say about you, he said. She liked the lazy sound of his voice. I don't know. What do they say? You read people's thoughts? Yes, I can. Well, I don't suppose, I mean, I was wondering if maybe you might read your thoughts. If it isn't too much trouble, don't, I you must be kind of nervous about the strangler and all. No, of, of course not. Thanks. What am I supposed to do? She slid her chair closer, held out her hands and placed them lightly on his head. For a moment she felt nothing. Then she saw the face of the tall, sandy-haired man his blue eyes glittering like cracked ice, his thumb pressing down on the windpipe of a policeman. The purple, bloated face of Sergeant Morales drifted into view, followed by the faces of the women. The haunting image of the strangler's hands paralyzed her as she felt the cold fingers of her visitors sliding over her throat.